0: Good morning. My name is Ben. Welcome to Four Corners. We're really, really glad that you're here to kick off a new year. Hey, congratulations. So far today, you've had 100% church attendance this year. Thank you. Way to go. I'm so proud of you. That's awesome.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, Hey, it's going to be a great year at Four Corners. And over the next month, as we do this message series called Check Yourself, we're also going to be looking at Four Corners and how we're doing and a little bit later on in our service today, you're going to hear some great news about where we are with our what we call our My Christmas Gift or our year-end giving campaign to fund some really great initiatives around here. So you're going to hear, hear some exciting news about that. And uh, I won't like, give it away yet, but I just want, to hear, I want you to hear me say to you, thank you. Thank you for inviting those folks that you invited and giving us our biggest event ever in the history of Four Corners. And thank you for stepping up to give generously through the Christmas season. Um, I just couldn't be more proud of this congregation and more excited about where the year is taking us. Well, I thought what we would do is just go ahead and jump right in to what everybody else seems to be doing, thinking about the end of last year and the beginning of this year and where they want this year to end. And so like our video suggested, a lot of people make resolutions. I want to take you to a couple of verses in the Bible that if you're at all thinking about where you want to go this year, how you want this year to look, where you want it to take you, These verses, I believe, can help you. All right, so if you have your Bible, go ahead and turn to Colossians chapter 3. If you didn't bring a Bible today, maybe on your phone, you can find it. A lot of folks here do that. And then again, if you don't have either one of those, you can look right up here on the screens when we get to them. Uh, We're going to work through an entire chapter today, but first I thought we would start with what I think is one of the clearest Bible passages that makes me excited about a new year. Now, this Bible verse doesn't deal specifically just with a year It talks about every day. So let me me just give it to you kind of as a way of showing you one of God's gifts to all of us, and let's just talk about it for a moment as we get rolling here, all right? So what we're going to actually start is not in Colossians, so hold your finger there, but Lamentations chapter 3, a book in the Old Testament written by uh, most likely the prophet Jeremiah, who was known as the weeping prophet. Now, All of us have a call on our life, Jeremiah's call was to deal with some very difficult stuff and he had a rough life and always fighting uphill, did some great stuff but it was always uphill and it left him emotionally drained, physically he spent a lot of time in a pit filled to his neck with mud because he was being punished for doing God's work but emotionally he was depleted as well. So he writes a book that gets his name, Jeremiah, and then he writes another one, Lamentations. And the word Lamentations simply means sorrows, sorrows, his his cry outs. But in Lamentations chapter 3, he gives us an incredible snapshot of God's heart for us. And it's God's heart for us on the beginning of this year. Here's what he, he writes. Because of the Lord's great love for us, we are not consumed. For his passions never fail. They're new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I don't know what your 2014 was like. There were moments in my 2014 that I thought I might be consumed. Uh, The language here is burnt up. There were moments I wasn't sure emotionally, it wasn't physical, but emotionally, spiritually, if I was going to make it. I don't know what I thought was going to happen if I didn't. I just knew that I felt like I was significantly depleted. Jeremiah knew what that was like. Most of the biblical writers knew what that was like. The one we follow more than anybody else, Jesus Christ, knew what it was like to have his life poured out, to feel empty. And yet in the middle of that, followers of Jesus, uh, followers of the Lord, all the way back from the Old Testament, New Testament, all the way through church history, even in this room, many folks have a testimony that can tell you that even when you feel like you're all the way poured out, God's faithful. So, this past year brought you lots of change. Maybe you're anticipating lots of change over the next year. What's really cool about church, and what we've already done a little bit of this morning, is we get to talk about something that doesn't change. And that's God. His heart for us, His love for us, the idea that He wants for us a life that is what the Bible calls a life abundant. These are anchors in our life. And it gives us us the strength, the courage, the foundation from which we can launch into whatever we believe God is calling us to launch towards. Knowing that, there might come moments in 2015 where we're going to feel poured out, almost consumed. But in the middle of it, God is faithful, God is faithful. Some things don't change. Now, there's another verse I want to take you to, just as a kind of way of whetting our appetites as we jump into Colossians chapter 3, and that's another verse in our Old Testament, Proverbs chapter 16, verse 3, on the screens. Here's what it says. Commit your work to the Lord, and your plans will be established. Commit your work to the Lord. This is that same The Lord is faithful. Great is your faithfulness. Commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. I don't know about you. Again, if your 2014 was awesome and great and you'd like a repeat, good for you. For me, I don't ever want to go through that again. And so I'm looking forward to 2015 to being radically different on a lot of levels for me. And so I've got hopes. I've got dreams. I've got Ambitions, I've got desires, I've got plans I want to see succeed. And what this verse helps me do as I start thinking about that is it helps me understand that if I commit my work to the Lord, my plans will succeed. Now, not in a simple one to one fashion. I say the phrase, I commit my work to the Lord, and everything gets done. Did you ever see that office episode where Michael was struggling a little bit financially? And so he heard about this idea that you could declare bankruptcy and be exempted from all the pressures. So he steps out from his little office into the big office and he puts his hands up to his mouth and he says, I declare bankruptcy. And of course it made no change at all. So this is not about saying the phrase, I commit to the Lord. There's a way to unpack this, how do we commit to the Lord so that our plans succeed and and what kinds of plans which which of our plans need to succeed well if anybody in our bibles understood what it was to have a big vision and lots of hope and a strong sense of god's call and lean in on his life to do great things it was the apostle paul and because he had that strong desire and was willing to step out and commit his ways to the lord His plans succeeded, and it's not a stretch to say that we are here today worshiping God in a thing called church, in large part because the Apostle Paul was faithful. We are, in a lot of ways, spiritual great-great-great-great-grandchildren of the work that he started a long time ago. And one of those works that he started was was a church in a city called Colossae, and that's where we get our New Testament, 12th book of our New Testament, Colossians, from. And Colossians chapter 3, for me, lays out a model of how to think through plan-making and changes. It, It lays out a model, I think, of how to commit our ways to the Lord. So I want to take a few moments and just kind of work through this entire chapter together. And see if we can't glean a few things so that whether you had a great year and you want it repeated, you had a not so great year and you want to make changes, or you just aren't fully satisfied with where you are personally, relationally, financially, spiritually, and you want to see some changes. And maybe what I'm hoping most of all, if you want to grow in your relationship with God, I think Colossians chapter 3, I'm trying to say it so many times so you don't forget it, is the go to chapter to understand how we can practically commit our ways to the Lord and see them succeed. So with that said, on the screen, here we go. Here's what the Apostle Paul writes. He's had two chapters up to this point, and he's telling them all kinds of great things about how Christ is above creation. Evidently, in that church, they were beginning to worship and revere kind of the elements, earth, wind, fire stuff that was kind of going on in the culture, something that was creeping into the church. And Paul writes and says, don't you understand? Jesus is better than the wind, than the earth, than the fire. He's supreme over all of creation. And so now he's beginning to conclude his ideas, and he says, since then, since Jesus is above all, since then you have been raised with Christ Set your hearts on things above. So, uh, on my screen here, guys, if, you, if let me give this a try, see if I don't lag too much. Here's the first word that jumps out at me. Hearts. Eh, eh, that was supposed to be an A. I must have lifted my pen a little bit. That's heerts. Heerts. You're heerts. If I go to correct it, I'm just going to mess it up again, all right? So, since then, you've been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above. We're going to come back to that, but let's keep reading. The things above. And in things above, that's where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Now, that imagery is the throne with the king who has all authority. Jesus is at the right hand of the throne of God, meaning that he executes. He has a power and ability. He's enabled to execute the plans and the will of God. Jesus sits at the right hand of the Father, making sure that the Father's plans get done. So it's a position of authority, it's a position of honor, it's a position of getting things done, all right? So he says, your hearts, and then he says, verse 2, set your minds, that's the next word that jumps out at me, set your minds on things above, hearts on things above, minds on things above, not simply on earthly things. Remember the church at Colossae, they were kind of focused and getting enamored with these physical, scientific, almost religious approach to those things, and No, no, don't look here. Look up. Verse 3. Here's why. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. We died to the old way. That's what baptism represents. You go under the water, representing death. You come up washed into new life in Christ. Verse 4. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you'll also appear with him in glory. The idea of glory is that when Jesus' work is fully revealed, we all get that shining end of the journey. And so here we are, just four verses in to a pretty powerful passage, and you're going to see more of that in a second. And what we've been told is to fix our minds up. And this is getting to the heart of what the writer of Proverbs, the wisdom book of the Old, Bible, Old Testament was trying to tell us, Commit your ways to the Lord And your plans will succeed. Well, the first step in committing our ways to the Lord is to make sure we're looking at the right kinds of plans, the right kinds of goals, the right kinds of success indicators. It's not anything you want and God will give it to you if you declare, I commit my ways to the Lord. Or you do a few spiritual activities. No, it's this idea of the mind and the heart focused on the right kinds of things. I don't know about you, but I'm getting a little too old to waste a lot of time on the wrong things. Somebody wisely said, you know, it's somewhat sad and disappointing to come to the end of your life and realize you didn't hit your goals, but it's more sad to realize that you hit your goals and to discover that your goals really weren't worth giving your life towards. So here we are at the beginning of a new year, and it causes me to reflect and say, what do I really want to get out of this year? I mean, when I come to the end of this year, how do I want it to have played out? Where do I want to be? That's a really good question to ask. It's really healthy, biblically speaking, spiritually speaking, relationally, financially speaking, to on occasion pause and say, if I keep going the path I'm going, am I going to get to where I really want to go? And for those of us that, have Jesus at the center of our lives, we modify that question a bit and say, if I keep going the way I'm going, am I going to get to where God's trying to take me? In, in, in my marriage, with my parenting, in my finances, spiritually? The thing I like about the hearts and minds idea is it talks both about our logic and our engagement. And can I be honest with you? The truth, one of the challenges... That, that, that I have as a pastor is trying to get people to think more, think more, not feel more, not emote more, not passion more, not do more, but think more. And so things like reading, getting wise counsel, pausing a little bit through the emotion, ripping through the fog, and asking a simple question, I mean, like, like logically, does, is this even going to get us where we want to go? I think God's people need to think more. And I love it when Bible passages call us to that. Today, that's what I'm trying to do with you a bit. Get you to stick into Colossians chapter 3 long enough to do some thinking and to turn that thinking up a bit. But but the other thing that's true is that sometimes we have some Christians that are full of knowledge and thinking, but they're kind of devoid of a motivating energy, kind of the heart Heart matters, we've talked about in our last series. Heart matters matter. And so in this passage, in this chapter, as Paul's going to work through trying to get the church at Colossae to be healthy, to go where God wants them to go, he's saying to do that, we've got to fix our eyes up. Have you ever noticed when, like, you're in a hurry on a mission? Like, sometimes I'm sitting at my desk, something will pop in my mind, and I'll get up and I'll go to do something, or there's something different about the way I walk when I'm on a mission than when I'm just kind of walking around. So like if, if, if my staff jokes about this, but if we're at a church conference, I'm very eager. I'm figuring I'm paying for it. I want a front row seat. We're going to milk it for everything we can get. I'm not going to pay a couple hundred bucks, go hear a great speaker, sit in the back, buzz in, buzz out, check my phone. No, we're going to sit right there. And of course, I expect the whole team to do that. So you know what we do? We show up, we get there early, hour, hour and a half, three, four, six hours early, stand at the back door. There's no line. We're just going to make sure we're at the top. And then when the door's open, we beeline. Like, okay, so literally I run, push ladies over, um, jump over kids, you know, and I'm going to get on the front because I'm eager. Well, that's because I'm on a mission. With my kids, like if we go in the store, they know if I'm in the grocery store and it's one of those going to just buzz in and get out, I'm literally head forward, walking like And I mean, I look like a jerk, I suppose, but I'm on a mission. Rarely when I'm eager am I doing this. I'm just trying to give you a visual picture of what it means physically to lift your head and look to where you're going. Paul says we lift our heads and we look to Christ. So, for the rest of the chapter, we're going to not take too much time, but for the rest of the chapter... He encourages us, I'm going to use my words, we'll read his, but he encourages us to keep three lists, three lists, and and I want you to think about these. So it's Colossians 3, three different lists that I think will help us keep our eyes up. You can apply it broadly to a variety of different areas of life. Paul's going to walk us through it and what he's trying to deal with in this church, and from his example of how he's doing it and what he's actually saying to them, there's a lot we can glean. So here's the first list I'd like you to think about keeping this year. I think I'd like you to think about keeping a stop-doing list. A stop-doing list. Let me read Paul's words as he tries to get them to focus above to where they really are going. And he encourages them to stop doing a few things. Here's what Colossians 3, verse 5 says. He says, put to death. All right, so that means you stop, I mean, you don't keep doing things when you're dead. So put to death, therefore, in light of the fact that we're going to focus our hearts and minds up, in light of the fact that there's a glory to be attained, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. The idea is is that as followers of Jesus, we've been given God's spirit, we're being called to God's nature, but we're still very much one foot in this world. And sometimes there's a battle that goes on between the earthly nature and the godly nature that we're called to. So put to death those things that are purely earthly. Things like, stop doing things like sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed. Greed, of course, is idolatry. It's putting a god-like money and stuff ahead of God. And then verse six, he like if you want motivation for stop doing these things says because of these things the wrath of God is coming. Well, good Lord, the moment the wrath of God is mentioned, we don't want to spend a lot of time there. So th- it's worth stopping. And then he says verse seven, you used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but you now must rid yourself of such things as these. Just kind of adding to his list: anger, rage, malice, slander. Filthy language from your lips. As Paul is trying to get the Colossian church to focus up and get to that place that God's taking them, he says, let's talk about some things that have to stop. And so maybe, maybe today you could take Paul's list suggested to the Colossian church as the Holy Spirit inspires him and maybe like this could be on some of of your list. A couple of those need to be on my list, not the ones that maybe you would think need to be and certainly not the ones that would get me fired but there's a couple things on here that I should probably deal with a little bit and as I stop doing them in effect what I'm doing is I'm lifting my eyes and I'm really looking at the thing that I'm working towards now this is just practical because when you keep a stop doing list here's what happens you open yourself up to more of God's favor and blessing. Now, the Bible isn't against sin. God isn't against sin because he wants you to be unhappy and to not have pleasures. But because over time, sin leads to challenges. And so we're challenged here to not engage these things. And if we're doing them, go ahead and cut them off. Make them as if they're dead to you. And when you do that, you open, you create room for more of God's favor and blessing. So I'm gonna challenge you this year. Like if there are repetitive sin patterns in your life, this is a great time to wrap your heart and mind around what Jeremiah was trying to say, that his mercies are new every day, and God is faithful. And grab hold of that mercy and grace and power to break sin's hold in your life. I'm not talking about other people's sins. I'm not talking about the sins of the culture governmental injustices. I'm talking about you personally and your walk and your relationships. I think Paul's list is a good place to start. Anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language from our lips. Here's the truth. God loves you just the way you are, but he loves us too much to keep us there. And so sin frustrates God's purposes in our life. And so God gives us the gift of repentance to turn. In a lot of ways, that's what we're doing with New Year's resolutions. We're just trying to turn, adjust. And in spiritual terms, we turn away from this stuff that ultimately brings death because we're already dead. And we move and lift our eyes towards life. When you keep a stop-doing list, your effectiveness will increase. This year, your effectiveness will be measured not by the few things, uh, I'm sorry, will be measured by the few things, not by the many things. You can so overfill your life with a bunch of different things and goals that you get nothing done. But when you create a stop-doing list, you give yourself room to attend to the few things. So beyond just like the spiritual sin list, what are things that are consuming your time that really aren't the things that should be consuming your time. These are the kinds of things that managers get challenged at in a consulting environment. Stop doing so much stuff so that you can do the few things you really need to do well. And so, like, some of you, the truth is, is in your heart, you know you need to spend more time at home attending to your marriage. And this is, like, one way. I'm not trying to, like, tell you this is your list, but this is your... Well, you can't do that by simply adding that to your list of to-dos. You gotta cut a few things away. What are you gonna stop doing so you can do that? Keep a stop-doing list. Stop-doing flows from your priorities. Stop-doing helps you do the right thing. Stop-doing equals more time for what matters most. When you keep a stop-doing list, you develop a personal strength As you say, no more, but to yourself, you grow. So so let me, like, just kind of following in Paul's idea that if we're gonna fix our eyes up, there might be some things we have to stop doing. Here's some things that in in a few moments of reflection I listed for me. Now, you can't ask me about them because they're deeply personal, but I wanna share them with you, all right? But not in detail. You, You see how that works? It's modified, limited sharing, all right. And that's okay, so... Here we go. This year I'm gonna stop. I'm gonna stop wasting time on people I can't please. I'm gonna stop ignoring the side effects of my personal choices. I have a tendency to do make a choice, and I forget side effects. I'm gonna stop giving into resistance that I encounter without making a conscious decision to give into resistance. I tend to fold. I'm gonna stop letting other people decide for me if I'm doing a good job at the things I really want to do a good job at. That doesn't mean I'm not open to feedback. Again, it's personal. I won't unpack it for you all the way. I'm going to stop trying so hard to persuade other people to change their minds. I'm going to stop letting jerks have access to my time, heart, or mind. I'm going to stop excusing my small sins because I've yet to see their negative consequences. And I've got about 30 more. Each one of those are born out of my desire to lift my head a bit. Let me ask you, what do you need to stop doing Because you're not going to be able to just add the good stuff in if you don't create room for it. So like some of you said that this year, church is going to be more a priority. Awesome. How are we going to create the time for that to happen? Some of you said you're going to increase your financial management to a higher level. Awesome. Awesome. What are we going to stop doing create in spending so that we can create some money and margin? Here's a second list I want you to think about keeping. I want you to think about keeping a to don't list. So it's a stop doing list and a to don't list. Here's what the Apostle Paul does with this idea. Colossians 3 verse 9. He says, don't, don't lie to each other. He's not saying you're doing it and stop. He says, Look, just don't go there. Don't lie to each other. Since you've taken off your old self with its practices and you've put on the new self which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Here, there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian or Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. There's some things you gotta build some boundaries around. The stop doing are things you're doing that you gotta stop. The to don't list are things that you've built a boundary on because you don't wanna go there. because you're so serious about not going there, you're going to build a fence somewhat between you and the things so that you don't even inch there unknowingly. When you keep a to-don't list, you benefit from the best tool you have for bringing happiness into your life. And that's healthy personal boundaries. And for some of us, the key to a better 2015 is setting some healthy personal boundaries, putting some fences around a few things. I'm asking you to consider putting some fences around the danger zones of life. Here's what I've learned. Pain forces us to learn almost better than anything else. So where have you been burned? What kinds of boundaries do you need in place? A to don't list is an incredibly powerful tool to do as a couple. We're not going to go here as a couple. One of the things I encourage people that I do pre counseling for Let's not introduce the divorce word into arguments. Because the moment you go there, it becomes a viable possibility. Let's be careful about the kinds of information we take in, in terms of our reading and entertainment. Just build a fence around there and don't go there. Here's the truth, experience I don't think is the best teacher, but experience is reflected upon is a great teacher. It's not just what you've experienced, but what do you think about what you've experienced? And in light of what you think about what you've experienced, what fences do you need to put in place? But I think the best teacher might be learning from the mistakes and the wins of others without having to go through that personal pain. So what can you observe in other people's lives that you say we don't want to go there, I don't want to go there and can that inform your to don't list? We're not going to get distracted by other things. No, faith matters are going to get appropriate time in our home. So on the weekends at dinner time we're going to carve out these segments. They're not rules to us that enable us to have a relationship with God. They're rules to us that protect our relationship with God. I'm not going to flirt at work, period. It's not going to happen because I'm going to protect the sanctity and the covenant I have with my spouse. I'm not going to keep secrets electronically because I'm going to protect. What is your to don't list? When you do that, you identify the things worth fighting for and you set a strategy to protect the truly important stuff. So, again, I won't give you too many details. Ask me about them. I probably won't tell you. But here I go. Here's some of my to-don't list. This year, I will not. I'm not going to jump into doing without prayer and Scripture. Because I want to honor God more than I want to get things done. And I'm not going to work more or harder to fix feelings of being overwhelmed. No. I'm going to prioritize this year. I'm not going to neglect my own heart to get more things done to keep a few people happy. No, I'm going to protect my own health and my own pace. I'm not going to, like I did a little bit this last year, isolate from those who have a proven track record that they're trying to help me. No, I'm going to commit to community. I'm not going to sacrifice my family's time so other people can have peace. Because for me, healthy family is the priority. I'm not going to spend God's money because in our family, tithing is a priority. I'm not going to go more than 30 days without a date night because I will be a considerate husband. I'm not going to sacrifice my vacations with my family for Four Corners or anyone else because I want to be a great dad. And I'm not going to operate in hiddenness anywhere in my life because I believe in accountability. And I don't know what your to-don't list needs to be. But I know this. You're not going to get where you want to go if you don't make some boundaries. And I don't know what yours needs to be. Paul told the Colossians church, quit lying. You know, don't go there. Not quit, but don't go there. So like, if that's yours, just embrace that. There's practical wisdom in that. But if not, what is your list? So we've talked about keeping a stop doing. We've talked about a to don't list. Well, let's talk about number three, the one you might expect, the to-do list or the start doing list. So Colossians 3, here's what he says. Therefore, as God's chosen people, in light of the fact that Jesus is above creation, we fix our eyes above. There's some things to stop doing. There's some things to don't do. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, These things don't earn a relationship with God. No, they flow out of that relationship he's already given you. Clothe yourself. Put on compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. Put these things on. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on, start, love. Which binds them all together in perfect unity. And then he says, here's like where this takes you. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Wouldn't it be great if 2015 was full in your life of the peace of Christ? Since as members of one body, you were called to peace. And then be thankful. Wouldn't it be great? If you walked with that overflowing sense of gratitude, let the message of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through the psalms, through hymns, through songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word, whether in deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. When you keep a to-do list, you're moving from thought to action, and it's action that brings change. You're living a life of faith, not just learning about the faith. And you have the beginnings of a system for remembering what's important. And remember, a system saves you stress, time, energy, and money. That's why I want you literally this week to read Colossians 3, pull out a piece of paper, and begin making three lists. Stop, don't, and do. Just begin that process. So this year, I will invest in myself because a healthy me, not in an arrogant, egotistical way, but a healthy me is the best gift I give to the people I love. So I'm going to read because books are mentors to me, I'm going to pray because I'm too busy not to pray. My life is too complex to not pray. I'm going to spend time in God's Word because it's a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. I'm committing, doubling down on true, honest community where I'm loved and I get to love, honored and I get to honor, celebrate and I get to be celebrated. I'm going to regularly submit myself to intentional coaching because I want to be teachable and open. I'm going to invest in others, my wife and my kids. I'm going to invest in my Four Corners team. God seems to be opening doors for me to invest in other church leaders. I have a soft heart for Christian men, especially young men. I have a real place in my heart for people with a pastoral call on their lives. I'm going to spend a lot of time there. I want to empower some others who are faithful, available, teachable, We're going to value the fruit of the Spirit over any giftedness or effectiveness or skill or potential. We're going to see what God does with those doings. Because this year, I'm trying to fix my eyes up. Because I want that glory that God has for me. And I want it to be filtered through Him and Him alone for His glory ultimately. And I radically believe that when we fix our eyes on Christ... And we start the year there and we don't get distracted. And we invest 365 days looking at Christ, heart and mind. We'll come to the end of that in a radically better, fundamentally different place. Financially, relationally, spiritually, in our parenting. In our own central purse of self-worth, achieving our own goals that peace, that when you lay your head down at night, you're living a full life well-lived. I don't think you can get there without Christ. So what is on your to-stop list? What's on your to-don't list? And then finally, once you've created some room, what do you need to do this year? Take an hour. Read Colossians Three, I'd make three lists. Begin them. I've been at this for a while, so mine are a little more polished, maybe. And together, let's see if we don't fix our eyes on Christ as a church and you individually, you as a husband or a wife, as a parent, as a single person. Let's see what difference that makes. So right now, let's kind of turn from just talking and try to take a few action steps. Would you grab out your Connect card? And together, let's see if there are a few things we can do. It's not fun, by the way, to hang around me at the end of November and into December. Just ask my wife. I get very reflective. But man, I love January, because it's time to go. And I want you to go with us this year. I want Christ to be at the top of your life. Let's fix our eyes on him, and here's one of the ways we're going to do it. We're going to start right now with next step A which means if you're not yet in a relationship with Jesus, why don't you start the new year off doing that, getting that one biggest priority right, letting him be the Lord of your life, forgiving your sins, becoming your Savior. So I'd ask you to take your pen there and just check next step A and commit your life to Jesus this year. It'll be an incredible ride. He really is above every other thing, and you can trust him because he's faithful. He doesn't change. So check that box, put it in the offering bucket when it comes by at the end of our service. And in a few moments, we'll pray about it and give you a chance to, in your own words or use mine, say to God, God, I am a sinner. I want you to wash my sins away. I want you to lead my life this year for the rest of my life. Our next step B, today I'm choosing to be baptized. We had a lot of people last year commit their lives to Christ, and we saw a handful of baptisms, you know, a few dozen. This year, I think we're gonna see, like, Many, many more. So what if, what if if you've not been baptized, but you put your life in Christ? What if we kind of like early in like just the next few weeks start getting that thing right? We do that. So check the box and let me have a conversation with you. If you aren't baptized yet and you're kind of wondering, let's, let, me, let me take you to coffee. I won't buy you lunch. I run out of money. I'll buy you a $2 coffee at Waffle House. And, uh, and let's talk about baptism. I'd love to, love to have that conversation with you. Let's check the box. That's how we get the ball rolling. Here's next step C. What about memorizing this one? Lamentations 3. Come on, guys. Just soak this one in. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For His compassions never fail. They're new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. It's putting that down deep in here by memorizing. Here's here's next step D. I'm going to pray this prayer every day this week. God... In 2015, you get to be the highest priority in my life. Establish my plans as I daily live out my commitment to you as the leader of my life. Just a couple sentences every morning is a way of focusing up. Here's next step E. I'll take 30 minutes this week to work on my three lists. I baited you with an hour, the entire sermon. I've just reduced it so you can actually take the step, all right? 30 minutes. My to stop doing... Am I to don't do? Am I to do? Let's pray about these things right now. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you that really your mercies are new every day. And we come culturally to a day like New Year, the beginning of a, of a new season. We have mixed emotions, excitement, fear, trepidation, hope. And in the middle of all of that, you're faithful. I want to pray right now, God, for those that are doing serious spiritual business. They felt your tug as we were talking. I pray for those who are declaring, Jesus, be the Lord of my life. I commit my ways to you. And I pray for us as a church, God, that we would do as you called the church at Colossae to do. We'd fix our eyes on Christ. I give you this and pray it in the name of Jesus, the strong and holy Son of God. Amen. Amen.